Come on, if we could just take the next few moments and magnify our one true living King tonight. Come on, from the top of our voice, is He worthy? Hallelujah. Let's give Him a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can make your way back to your seats. How many of you are thankful for the move of God we had here this morning? What a mighty move of the Holy Ghost we had this morning. Is anybody else thankful for our leadership that we have in this house? I'm, I'm truly thankful that I have a pastor, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that I have a pastor and a first lady that I know will tell me if I'm going to hell. Does anybody thankful for that tonight that you have somebody watching on the wall for your soul that's watching on the wall for your children's soul that's not afraid to say thus saith the Lord that's not afraid to say in the face of sin that you're dying lost and you're going to hell are you thankful tonight to have a voice in this dark world I'm just thankful church I'm heavy burden in my spirit but I'm so happy but I'm just so thankful for the man of God and the woman of God that God has placed in my life hallelujah you know we don't wait until our house is flooded to when we call the plumber we don't wait till our vehicles destroyed until we call the mechanic and how foolish of us would it be to expect our man of God to wait until our life is just utterly destroyed before he steps in and tells us that we're, that we're moving in the wrong direction. Church, I'm thankful tonight that I've got a bishop and a first lady in my life, and I know I'm staying up, but I'm just so grateful that he would preach to me. He would preach to my family that I don't have to wait until my life is an utter wreck until he has to step in. I'm thankful for somebody that's anointed and consecrated that would look past me down the wall and help me and my family. Tonight, I thought I had something pretty good, and then God changed it. So if, if you would just help me, I know it's Pentecost Sunday, but I'm just going to preach what God gave me. Is that okay? I said God's got a word for somebody in this house tonight. Come on, if you came here lame and heavy burden, if you came here not understanding which way God has for you to move, came needing a word from the Holy Ghost, I said God's here in this house right now, ready to deliver every single need. Hallelujah. If we'd stand tonight and honor the reading of the word, I'm going to read from two portions of scripture. The first being Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, and Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. This is a, what we would call a popular portion of scripture. This is one that many of us has heard many times in our life but God's trying to reveal to some people in this place tonight where he has you right now God's going to give you clarity and restoration in your spirit if you came here wondering 
If you came here puzzled in question marks for whatever you need to do for your next step, God's here tonight meeting you. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 reads, And be not conformed to this world. Say, I left my problems at the front door. Say, when I come to God's house, I bring my very best. It doesn't matter what state I'm in. I bring my very best to the house of God. Amen? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Quickly going to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, speaking about the Israelites and in the wilderness, verse 2 says, And thou shalt remember... All the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I just, I want to, preach from the very simple thought surviving God's will God in the name of Jesus surviving God's will if you would help me pray right now come on every voice in this place this isn't about me this is about God speaking something into your life Come on, a moment in time for divine revelation to take place. A landmark for you to understand that I'm not going to pass by this way again. But God is moving me to my destiny. God, in the name of Jesus, God, anoint my lips, God. God, hide me behind the cross, God. Lord, speak through me and minister to me, Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus, you may be seated in the name of Jesus. Surviving God's will. The anointing, the will of God. Through prayer, I feel like God has shown me that there is, pre, there is three dominant phases. There is three dominant sections of the anointing or the will of God for our lives. I want you to stay with me tonight as we talk about those three phases of the will of God, the three phases of the anointing, the will of God on our lives. Would it be in Pentecost Sunday, I'm, I'm trying to stay in our theme because it is a monumental day, a revelation to the people of God to understand what took place in the upper room. There is power and dominion knowing that Acts 2.38 is the plan of salvation for your life. Do I have a church that believes that there is only one way to be saved? That uh, 
Come on, does anybody believe that Acts 2.38 is God's dominant plan in the Bible? It is the only way, the only truth. The first phase is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is the initial infilling of God's Spirit into you. One thing that I'll tell you that we need to be mindful of tonight is that God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. So as we think about this first phase, it's the initial infilling, infilling it's Acts 2.38, it's a, it's a powerful moment in our life, it's when we feel the power of God, it's when we feel dominion and authority. Does anybody testify to that whenever you got the Holy Ghost, something inside of you changed, something inside of you started working against the demonic forces in your life that you couldn't handle on your own. But when you got the Holy Ghost, something happened to you. It's not just a part of our doctrine. It's not just something that we say every 50-something days. But it's then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. For ye shall, not if or should or when, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen tonight. As we talk about God's phases for the will of God on our life, we understand that I'm preaching to a house of servants tonight, and I'm preaching to a house of people that are, maybe you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, and maybe by the end of this service, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you will get to this altar and live a repented life. You'll ask God for forgiveness of your sins, and God can fill you before you leave tonight with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But we understand that as God fills us with the Holy Ghost, there is something with this process that takes place. There is a frustration that in our flesh when we don't understand what God is doing with us, when we don't understand when God is not speaking to us, when we don't understand for all of a sudden God was using us and speaking to us, and now all of a sudden we don't have any answers anymore. I thought I had a, a decent title, and I thought about some real theological, sophisticated titles, but honestly, tonight, I'm going to preach about this water bottle. I thought about divine revelations and theological reasoning of water, but I'm just going to preach about this water bottle if that's okay tonight. As God fills us with the Holy Ghost, you understand that this initial infilling of the Holy Ghost, God fills us with I'll turn you, your attention to a part in the Bible. Some of you may be familiar with a brook called the Brook of Kedron. I'm not going to get very deep. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of this. But the Brook of Kedron, translated from Hebrew, basically means a dusky place, a dimly lit place, a dark place. God revealed this to me in Scripture that this brook of Kedron is not somewhere where a child of God goes in their infancy. This is not a place that is traveled by someone who is not mature 
in their spirit. Better yet, this is only traveled by people who are devoted to God. Now, these are people that have submitted themselves. These aren't wicked people. These are people that have submitted themselves to the call of God on their life. I said they've been in a few battles. They understand what it's like to battle demons. They understand what it's like. Do I have a witness tonight of anybody that once you got the Holy Ghost, some things started to change and you started battling bigger demons than you battled before, but God somehow gave you anointing and revelation to deal with your enemy. Can I get an amen tonight? The brook of Kedron. A dark place, a dusky place, a place that one would probably say is hard to see. That leads me into our second phase. As God infills us with the Holy Ghost, as we start to to consecrate and sacrifice things in our life to draw closer to God, we understand that things change with the vessel. There's, there's a, whether you realize it or not, and maybe that's who I'm preaching to tonight, whether you realize it or not, you signed up for some things. God's never really done with your walk with him until you draw your last breath. You won't ever reach a point with God where you have him figured out or where the test and the trials just stop coming. But God said, I will make you choose all your days to choose me. This second place is called a place of preservation and protection. Now, I'm in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to preface anything I say. I'm not going to justify it. I'm just going to preach what God told me. Is that okay tonight? I'm just going to preach what God gave me tonight to the sweet people. The preservation and protection. There's a phenomenon that takes place, and it happens here in Florida. It's called intrusion. There's a phenomenon with the geographical structure, the substrate of the land called intrusion. Basically what happens is that we have a water table. And it's so fitting what Bishop preached this morning This is going to carry right over what he preached. He laid the foundation so well that the water that we need to survive, the water that God gives us, that everlasting life, church, it can easily become contaminated through intrusion. What happens to the water table is that as fresh water There is a well, there is an aquifer, there is something underneath the ground that keeps this this body of water separate from everything else around it. And through intrusion, through close proximity, when it gets close to things it shouldn't be close to, all of a sudden the salt water starts to alter what it's near. Our first... Example of this I'll reach on tonight is dealing with King Josiah. The Bible says that whenever King Josiah goes to the brook of Kedron in 2 Kings chapter 23, the Bible says, and he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord. 
You understand that word Kedron is there again, and we have a man of God that is trying to establish what is right for his house. We have a priest of a people who is trying to do right by God and reestablish what is the good and acceptable will of God for God's people. Amen? The Bible says, And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto, here it is again, the brook of Kedron, and burned it at the bank at the brook of Kedron, stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder there of upon the graves of the children of the people. Can I just preach for a few moments about the groves by the brook of Kedron? The Bible says that those groves were devoted to worship of false idols. God spoke to me in prayer. He says, look what's planted beside the altar. Y'all didn't hear me. The Bible says not to plant any groves beside the altar. Deuteronomy 16 and 21, Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. What God's trying to tell us here is that there's some things planted at the altar tonight. I said there's some things that's planted at the altar, and God has sent a man into our life that's been trying to uproot the things that are taking control of the altar. I'm talking about uh, keeping a vessel that's pure, and you're trying to understand uh, why there's confusion, and you're upset in your spirit, but you haven't submitted to what your pastor has preached. I'm sorry. The book of Kedron's a dark place. It's a place you're not supposed to understand. You're not supposed to have clarity. But God sends you a watchman on the wall. God sends you a man that's anointed and submitted that says, Thus saith the Lord, there's something down the road. There's something that's planted at this altar that you call yours. There's something that's planted here that's meant for your demise. Let me just add some clarity tonight. The groves were devoted to the worship, in particular, of four certain goddesses. In case anybody is wondering, God is going to bring very definite clarity tonight. I said, he's about to unearth what's been hindering your spirit. He's about to unearth what's been hindering your children. Why you can't get a breakthrough in your home. God's about to reveal the problems at the altar. There's a goddess called Ashtoreth that is known for illicit worship the goddess of lust. These weren't just any regular trees planted at the altar. There is Ishtar, the goddess of impurity and prostitution and immorality. There's the goddess of Aphrodite, the sexual wickedness goddess. There's Venus. All of these are dealing with sexual impurities. And if there's ever a spirit that's alive and well today that's in the earth that wants to see your children cast out to uh, from, uh, from beneath the church, uh, cast out from beneath their shepherd, uh, cast out from beneath their parents. Uh, there is a spirit in the earth uh, that says through this impurity, through the worship of sexual impurity, that's where I'm going to plant the trees. That's where I'm going to plant the trees. 
Can I tell you it's not just enough to put monitors on your children's phones? I'm sorry, it's not just enough to regulate a time period for some social media. It's not just enough uh, to monitor what we ourselves are watching. I said these goddesses, these groves uh, that are planted at the altar, God uh, is trying to uproot the impurity at the altar. This is not a coincidence that God takes King Josiah not to any place, but he takes him to the brook of Kedron. There's some things that's got to take place tonight in our spirit that says whenever God unearths the groves that are planted out to our altar, whatever it is, it may be something that nobody in your family knows about. Your wife may not know about it. Your pastor may not. But there's got to be something that in order for this to, to remain pure and unadulterated, in order for this to, to not allow intrusion to affect what's inside of it, we got to have a spirit of Josiah that says, I'm going to take it to a place where I'm not, I'm not able to see why God's telling me to do this, but I'm going to have faith in the Almighty God and the man that God's put over me to say, I'm going to not just burn it, but I'm going to make it unrecognizable. Come on, God's calling some parents tonight. He's calling some, he's calling some marriages that nobody else around you is doing some things, but God is speaking to you. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nobody else around me may be doing it, but I'm going to take the groves that are in my altar at my home, and I'm going to burn them and destroy them. Hallelujah. The groves, the brook of Kedron. The brook of Kedron takes us to another familiar passage of Scripture where King David is on the run. He's, he's got a fear in his life. And there's this place again, 2 Samuel 15 and 23. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king himself passed over the brook of Kedron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Can I just speak to somebody's fear right now in the Holy Ghost? There's got to come a place in your walk with God that after you've been filled and God has protected this temple that you have to serve God through your fear, through your grief, through your insecurity. There's got to be something inside of you that says, my walk with God, my consecration is not affected by what happens in my life. Do I have anybody that believes that tonight, that just because I am stricken with grief and just because I'm fearful, because I don't know what tomorrow holds, God has given me peace because I know who holds my tomorrow. Hallelujah. Clap your hands tonight. Give him praise. David. In all his battles, this is why this is so revelatory because 
This is not, this is not someone that is green in their walk with God. This has been a man that has seen some battles. He's killed his own giants, but yet God has made him pass over the brook of Kedron. This second phase of preservation and protection is probably the most uncomfortable. Some of you have never probably realized this, but if you look back on what I'm saying right now, you'll understand that some of you are exactly where I'm about to preach from. God has to fill an empty vessel, okay? Once that vessel is full, God puts a top on, on it, and it's sealed. You felt God's anointing. You felt God's presence. You've worked for God. God's used you in powerful ways, but for some reason, God puts the cap on top of you. And it's the most uncomfortable season in our life because that's the portion where David is. Where we don't understand what God's trying to do with us. And we thought we had his divine will figured out. We thought our destiny was laid before us. And all of a sudden God brings you to the brook of Kedron that says, God, no, 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 no. It's going to be a dark place. I'm not going to allow you to see what's before you. But I'm going to require you to trust me. Now, don't get worried, but God showed me this. And if we're honest, just like the children of Israel went through the wilderness, it wasn't because God hated them. It wasn't because God forgot about them. It wasn't for any other reason. When God caps your anointing and he says, I want you to sit still and I want you to have faith and I'm not going to speak to you because I want to see what you will do with my spirit inside of you. When you can't hear me, when I'm not talking to you, I want to see, yeah, you might have some bruises and some bumps you might not understand, but what's inside of you has not changed. Oh, I feel that in my spirit. Some of you have been walking through a place where you feel like the Holy Ghost has changed in your life, but God hasn't changed. The Holy Ghost in you hasn't changed. God hasn't gotten any weaker. The power that's in you is still the power that delivered you from the hand of the adversary. Does anybody believe that tonight that the adversary had a grip on you and you didn't understand a way for you to make it out, but what was inside of you made a way? God's not so concerned with our bumps and our bruises. God's willing to put you in some, I said, whatever level of anointing God has for you, Whatever level you're willing to submit and consecrate your life to, God is willing to test you and try you, not because he doesn't love you, but because he understands that in order for you to, to battle in this last day, in order for you to stand ten toes down with the adversary, there's got to be something inside of you that's bigger than any amount of fear in your heart, that's bigger than any amount of grief, any amount of insecurity. Any time that you don't feel him, you understand understand that when God told it to me, I hear it. If I had to understand 
Psalm chapter 3, David writes a song for the state that he's in. But this very real place of God bringing us to a, a dimension where it's a holding pattern. We're good whenever, whenever God reveals to us that we're going to cast devils out in his name and there's power and dominion. But if I'm being honest, it's hard when God's quiet. I said it's hard whenever the way is not lit brightly and God puts you in a hallway and you're just having to depend on every ounce of reserve. That's why it's so important that every single church service you find your way to the house of the Lord, that you can't afford to miss one church service. The devils uh, that are out to destroy you, they don't miss. And God said, I need every bit of reserve, every bit of anointing that's inside of you is what's going to carry you. I want to stop right here and I want to tell y'all, I have felt it since I've been here the very first time. God is about to take this church to another dimension in prayer and in intercession. That I, Some people should get excited because when prayer moves God, things start to happen. I said when intercession takes place, your family's reached and does things that you can't even do. I said the Bible study that you were trying to witness them to, and in all the things that this church does, there's things that God can do through a moment of prayer that we can't do in our flesh. There's battles that we win in the spiritual realm that we can't do on our own. God showed me I was praying because I feel it. I felt it when I said it just now. There's a block in some of your minds that you don't have the inheritance it takes to possess that type of anointing. You didn't hear what I said. You don't have the inheritance that it takes to possess that type of anointing. I got a word from God for you. It doesn't matter how long you've been living for God. It doesn't matter when you came to this church. God's got an anointing. He showed me there is mantles in this house tonight that God is trying to give you. But through your own mental block, God can't use you. Why? Because you said, I'm not old enough. I ain't been going to church long enough. My daddy and my mama, I'm, I'm against the devil right now in the name of Jesus that after this service tonight, uh, we're not letting those things hinder us. You didn't hear what I said. I said, if you understood the power of prayer and intercession, if you understood what the anointing meant when it came, if you understood that the mantles that God has sitting above us right now as I preach, you would have something in your spirit that says, God, I'm not sitting on this pew. I need that for my family. Y'all still don't understand what I'm saying. There is power and dominion that comes with the anointing for prayer and intercession. There's things that when it comes against your family, in your home, you can drop to your knees and you're consecrated and you can reach the hem of his garment. I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't care what your inheritance is. 
I don't care how far back. I don't care if you've got 30 preachers in your family. I don't care if your daddy was a pimp and your mother was a street worker. It doesn't matter where you are or where you came from. God said, I choose this vessel for what I put inside of it. Some of you, I hear it right now in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have been asking, God, God, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? God showed you to me. God has mantles. For, this, is not, this is not a coincidence. The revival that has taken place, the reach that this church has, our mission in this city requires prayer. It requires intercession. It will not be done on our vocals and our playing. Those, those things are great, but it comes through our consecration. You know what God told me when I was up here praying before church? God said, I will give you the desired anointing that you want. When your consecration stops limiting me. When your consecration changes off the number of the crowd. I'm just being real tonight. I said, I want a move of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to play church. I want God to show up in a supernatural way. I want the power and the gifts of the Spirit. I want intercession in my family. I want my children saved and used by God. When your consecration stops matching the number... Church, we're spiritually mature enough, myself included. When God speaks to us a word of consecration, which is be faithful not just in his house. Be faithful in your giving. Be faithful in everything that you put your hand to. I don't need my bishop or my first lady to hound me about if I've been praying because God has spoken to me. And I don't want to deal negligent with the gifts of God. If we had a revelation of how God really saw us, when you hadn't been living right and your bishop and your first lady start, and you run and you get scared, if you understood the power that your master has, that would never fear you. I said when we get the revelation that God sees and knows all and when he knows that, that our tithing isn't what it's supposed to be and when our prayer isn't what it's supposed to be and when we're putting things before our eyes and we don't understand why our families are fighting the battles we're fighting but yet we're not laying any boundaries inside our home. I'll say it again. Whenever we have issues with laying boundaries in our homes and we're depending and we're exhausting the leadership, they're here to guide us. But my Lord, at what point in our walk with God, when God has filled you with the Holy Ghost, you have a revelation of who God is and you desire the things of God, I don't need somebody to babysit me. I'm sorry that's tough to hear, but somebody has been praying that God use you. Somebody has been talking to God. God, use me. I want your anointing. I want your power. Here's your answer. Find consecration in the secret place. Find a prayer closet when nobody sees you. Find a Bible study when nobody is watching. Then give, give, give when nobody knows what you're doing. That's when God says, I can use you.
operating with the cap on. I'm going somewhere. You just got to stay with me. Operating with the cap on. God says, I'm going to take you across the Kidron Valley. If any of you think that that is a comfortable experience... If any of you think that that's meant for the weak, I have another. I have, an, I have news for you. The Kedron Valley is a place for the experience. It's a place where God proves people. I'm preaching to the church tonight. I, I know we've been laboring in the fields, but God's got a word because he wants to take this church to the next level, not just in what we do, but our anointing that when we walk into places, people know something's different about us. People know that we're not just any church, and we don't serve just any God, but we serve the one true living God. David said... My fear, my grief, my insecurity. God said, go ahead, son. That's okay. Pass over the brook. God's requiring of that for some of you tonight. God's requiring you come to the brook tonight. Bring it to the brook. Bring it to the brook. Bring it to a place to where... I'm tired of hearing about it to where I'm tired of praying the same prayers, but I'm bringing it to a place not just to burn it, but to make it unrecognizable. David goes over the book of Brook of Kedron. He says, I'm fearful. I'm full of grief. I'm insecure. They're after my life. My son Absalom wants to kill me. The people around me have conspired against me. Can I just preach to somebody in the Holy Ghost? Everything was fine, right? And God required of you to pass over the brook, and you're standing around with a question mark wondering, why did these people do this to me? If you understood the level of anointing God's trying to take you to, under the sound and unction of my voice, if you understood what God had in store for you, you wouldn't get boggled down with little petty squirmishes inside the church or outside the church. I don't have time for my attention to be put on things that aren't building the kingdom. If you have something to say that's not of God, that's not edifying the house of God, I'm sorry, but my spirit, my anointing, my consecration won't allow it. David passes over the brook. Josiah passes over the brook. You see, sometimes we don't understand why God did what he did. And you don't have to believe me tonight, but this restrictive point right here where the cap is on. If you've got a bottle by you, you'll see that there's a tamper-proof ring on it. In 1983, in Chicago, Illinois, Johnson & Johnson released some medicine bottles with Tylenol. Back then, they didn't have these. They didn't know what tamper-proof was. But some psycho laced cyanide inside these pill bottles, and people were buying them off the shelves. Killed a bunch of innocent people and some children. 
I just got to say this. Sometimes I feel that the boundaries that my pastor puts over me is because he's bled those scars himself. I don't need an explanation for when my leadership irons out and says, no, I don't think that's the will of God. I don't feel like you should do that. There should be enough maturity in my spirit to know that I have trust in my leadership and that if they're telling me not to do something, it's not to hurt me, but it's to keep me safe. I'm going to clarify. They said, Tylenol comes back with Johnson & Johnson. They said, look, we're going to put this tamper-proof ring on there. Do you know why they said they put it on there? It's made so that it cannot be interfered with or changed. Some of you can't possess the next level of anointing because you're hindered by the tamper-proof ring. Everything in our flesh wants to have control. That's the spiritual man. That's the spiritual man I'm talking with. Our flesh wants everything in control. We want to say when. We want to say when God says that's enough. But God says no. I'm going to empty you of everything when you pass over this brook. That way when you get across it, I know without a doubt you love me. So they have it tamper-proof. They take this bottle, this medicine bottle, these water bottles, and when you go in the store, you can hold it. And I saw in my mind's eye that God was, I saw our church, and I started to weep because there was bottles like this everywhere. There was vessels full all in this house. And I know you hear me preaching tonight about being restricted and constrained about the cap being off. That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. In fact, it's the exact opposite. God showed me that what all this pain that you've been going through, if you could hear this. I was sitting in my vehicle and I opened the top and God spoke to me. He says, I open it when I'm ready to use it. That's for somebody. I said when God says he's ready to use it, he'll open it. And I can tell you that just the indication, if you listen, you hear that? I heard that. I heard it in my spirit when God showed me that. If you think whenever the cap comes off, it's comfortable. The brook of Kedron says different. There's pain. There's places of darkness. There's pain and agony. There's grief. There's things. There's emotions you don't understand. But can I tell you? If you're in a place of brokenness and you have been feeling that God has left you and forsaken you, 
the sheer fact that the seal has been broken is indicative that God is about to pour out what's inside of this vessel. The fact that the cap has been taken off, and that's your word tonight, the fact that the cap is removed, all the pain, all the agony, all the blindness that you don't understand is an indication that God is about to pour out what's inside. I'm going to end with this. As Jesus, in his last hours, there's no greater example than when Jesus crosses the brook of Kedron into the Garden of Gethsemane. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost tonight? Does anybody feel a holy anointing in here? Jesus, in John 18, chapter 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron. Translated from Latin Hebrew, it's Kedron. It's the same thing. Where was a garden? into which he entered and his disciples. The greatest revelation in this portion of Scripture is the fact of sometimes we forget that God was human. I said when you're in your trial, when you're in your valley, when you don't understand what God is doing in your life, we forget that Jesus was tempted as always like we are that Jesus was 100% flesh and he felt the same emotions that you feel. He fought the same battles that you feel. And on the day of Pentecost, when you received his spirit, you had the same power that he resisted temptation with. Matthew 26. This last picture I'm going to paint for you as they come to the music. This last picture that the Bible paints for us in Matthew 26. It shows Jesus. He understands the fulfillment of what he is called to do to some degree. I can prove that in just a minute, but he understands who he is, what he's called to do, his destiny. And in our picture, God brings him to the garden. And he says, now, now I'm going to remove the seal. We really see the agony in the spirit of Jesus. We understand he, ha he doesn't have the answers. In verse 36 it says, the heaviness. It says, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit ye here. There is a heaviness, he says, while I go pray. Go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. That heaviness that you feel, the only way I can describe it is from my personal experience. When God anoints you, when God places his hand on you, 
when you're submitted to your leadership, there is a heaviness of a burden that you receive with your mantle. You're not broke. There's nothing wrong with you. But God brought you to a place of brokenness to break the seal because there is something that he sees inside of you. Even though you may not hear him, there is an anointing on your life that is meant to change this world. What I find, and I've never seen it in this way before, and I've read this scripture many times. It is labeled the first prayer. And he went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That's familiar. Can I tell you that Jesus struggled with his destiny? Can I tell you that he had emotions running through his spirit that maybe he didn't quite understand or maybe he did. But nonetheless, the Bible said that he was to the point of feeling death and sorrow. The Bible tells us his disciples are sleeping. And here, listen, it's titled the second prayer. Jesus comes out of the garden he comes back out of the process. You've been trying to circumvent where God has you. God said, no. You're going back in. He crosses back over the brook again. I'm hearing the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, you've been asking God, God, why me? I don't understand why I feel this way. I don't understand the heaviness, the anointing, the quietness, the darkness. And God's saying, I told you, I sent you to a place to reveal your anointing. And it wasn't for your death, but it was for your definement. The Bible says the third prayer, he, he comes out again, and he's wrestling with his flesh, and he says, I have all this, but it's not my will. Is it your will? And I'll do it, God. I've heard that in my prayers this week. I've heard it in the Holy Ghost. God, I'll do it if you want me to do it. God, I'll walk there if you want me to walk there. God, I'll go back into the anointing if you want me to go there. God, I will go back into the consecration. I'll go back into the separation you've called me to if you want me to. Through all our great labor that we serve, there's some people that's hurting tonight. You don't understand why God has you where he has you. You don't understand. You've been telling yourself, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God, I live for you. I love you, God. I serve you. And what you can't see is that God has taken the cap off of your anointing. I'm telling some people tonight in the Holy Ghost, God's got something for this church 
If I had a hundred million of them, I'd dump them on the floor. He showed me bottle caps uh, flowing over this platform, over the balcony of bottles that God is unleashing right now in this service uh, for him to use uh, in a supernatural way, not in a way you've ever felt before, but it's because you have heard the call of God to the brook of Kedron. There is something supernatural here, and it's not because I'm in this desk tonight. There is something God is trying to do through this church. There is a moment right now. There are mantles that are in this place of travail, of deep consecration and anointing. There's places that God's been speaking to you in your personal walk that he wants to take you. And you've been telling God, God, I'll go if you want me to. I'll go if you need me to. But you keep coming out. And just like Jesus, you keep coming out and saying the same prayer over and over and over again. Hoping and praying there's a part of your spirit. Hoping that God will change his mind. But there's something in you that he sees that is worthy of his anointing. If you're serious, I mean serious about the will of God. God's created a place here tonight through a vast valley. There's a brook right before you at this altar. And through the word of God, God is asking, he's requiring of you. Are you tired of crossing over the brook? I keep hearing it over and over again as I preach. Are you tired of going this way? You still keep coming to church. You keep praying. You keep telling me you love me. But you keep asking me to remove this anointing. If you're serious about surviving the will of God, there's some things that have to die at the brook of Kedron. There's some things that I'm not talking about. It's not all wickedness. It's some parts of your self-will, of yourself that says, God, I don't understand why I'm where I'm at. God, you called me from such a long way. But God says there's something in you that's supernatural. I couldn't think of a better way for the Holy Ghost to close out Pentecost Sunday than for God to reveal the end time outpour in his church. Do you feel that church? Do you feel the mission that God is laying on us in this house? <laughs> that it's not just for us, it's not just for our family, but God is dispatching mantles as I speak. <laughs> For us to be equipped for this end time revival. For us to be equipped with the things that we need to reach the lost. Some of you need to get in the altar and tell God, God, I'm not coming back through this brook. Whatever you require of me at this altar... God, I'm leaving it for you because just like Jesus, as he prayed the first, the second, and the third prayer, John tells us that as he comes out of the garden the third time, 
Jesus isn't asking who's going to pray with me anymore. He's not looking for somebody to hold his hand in his prayer meeting. But he comes out in John chapter 18 and he says, Whom seek ye? I feel the Holy Ghost. Whenever you come out of the brook of Kedron, when you come out of this place where God is removing the cap off of your anointing, this process that seems painful, you're going to have the power and dominion in the Holy Ghost that Jesus says, Whom seek ye? You know what he tells them? And I've heard this ringing in my ears. I am he. My God. I'm not looking for a way out no more, God. You've placed me in a divine appointment in your house. You've gifted me with a supernatural anointing. I'm not going back in prayer questioning what you showed me. I'm not going back in prayer needing somebody to help me figure out what this is all about. But I'm coming out of the brook of Kedron and I'm saying, I am He. You know what He's saying? All those prophecies that you read in your Bible, I'm the one they told you about. I'm the one that said I'm the lamb slain. I am the one that's going to die for their sins. I'm the one that's all powerful. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the ending. I am the bright and morning star. I am. As you come tonight and as they play as you pray at this altar, something needs to shift at the brook of Kedron in order for you to survive the will of God. Something's got to turn in your spirit. And I can tell you, this prayer meeting that you got to pray, it's not pretty. It's not meant to look put together. It's not meant to be all, all structured and fancy in your clothes, in your dress. But when you go to the garden for the third time, you're in a place of desperation. Is anybody desperate tonight to fulfill the will of God on their life? Is anybody desperate and hungry tonight to cross the book of Kedron and end this prayer meeting with I am He, I am She, I am the one they prophesied over. Come on, church, if there was a mantle over you right now, if there is a moment in time where the supernatural is meeting this right now, now's the time for you to pray like you've never prayed. If you have confusion in your spirit about the will of God on your life, if God's bringing you across the book of Kedron, now's the time to not question God anymore. God, what do you need from me? is to be what you call me to be. That's what I'll be. Come on, church. Come on, 
church. Come on, it's Pentecost Sunday, but this isn't pretty Pentecost. Come on, this prayer is not meant to be pretty. This prayer is meant to look ugly. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be life or death because God, I'm not crossing here again. Is to be what you've called me to be. Come on, pray like you're That's desperate. Pray like you're desperate. I will pray like you're I desperate. Will be what you call me to be. I'll say yes. Come on, every young person should be in this altar. Lord, I agree. Asking God. purpose in where God has you. That pain you've been feeling, that burden you've been feeling, that's not just for any reason, but God's bringing you to a place of cathedral to take you to another dimension. I'll say yes. The Bible said that his sweat Oh, 